Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So how many people here have rules for Christmas music? Anybody? Anybody? Rules like you cannot play it yet. Anybody? No rules like we got people that are like, hit it in July, let's go. Or some people or some people around here are like, no, 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 no. Anybody rules for Christmas music? No hands up so we can, okay, I just want you to know, come July, we're going to start playing Christmas music before the service. That's not happening. I'm a Scrooge. <laughs> I was not expecting that many cheers. <laughs> but let's be honest, right? What's yours? December 1st. See, they start playing it. Does anybody go in for the half-price candy after Halloween? Anybody? Anybody? Yes. Now there's more hands. It's like Christmas music, nah, candy. Woo! Everybody goes in for half-price candy. And what do you hear on November 1st? Christmas music. I was going into the store. I forget. It was like the week, be- it was the week of Halloween. I walked into the store. And as I walked in, I expected to see candy everywhere. I saw Christmas trees. I'm like, this is not allowed. But how many people, we have rules for Christmas. Personally, I'm kind of the same. I'm like, you cannot start playing Christmas music till later. Like, the closer to Christmas, the better. When we were in Toronto, Melissa was the music director at a couple churches there, and they had to do these big Christmas productions. And so literally, you would get in my car in July and hit play, like you turn on the CD player, and Christmas music would start playing. It was so aggravating. I quickly, like, to the radio for sports talk, you can play that any time of year. And so it was just quickly like, okay, let's get away from Christmas. Now, many of us have rules, and many of us have traditions. Now, how many have rules and traditions that you have passed down from generation to generation? Anybody? Anybody? What are some? Now, everybody's like, we all have those traditions, too. (laughs) Order of which you order pre- open presents, what does that look like? Uh, youngest goes first. Youngest goes, oh, that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that part. Youngest first? No way. I bought them. I'm opening. <laughs> Christmas ornaments, yep. Anybody else? Recipes. One, see, that's my girl. One present Christmas Eve. Stocking first, yes. Christmas Eve service. Okay, not many people, Christmas Eve service. There's my brother. World junior hockey. See, when I got married, you have to understand, Melissa's family, the three girls, they don't, nothing with sports, nothing. They married three sports guys. That's what happens. And so I came into her family, and you have to understand, Boxing Day in my family is worked around the first game of the World Juniors. And so, like, you eat early enough that you can watch the game, or you eat late enough that it's after the game. Or if you eat during the game, you're watching the game. And so when I went to her family, it was like, I forget, we were going to somebody's house, and they're like, yeah, dinner's at 2. And I'm like, the game starts at 2. And they all looked at me, and they're like, what game? And I realized, Lord, what have you done? (laughs) And so it took me a little bit. But finally, after a few years of me just realizing, okay, this is totally different tradition here, we went to um, 
we went to one of her sister's house for Christmas dinner and the game was on. And so you're just sitting there the whole time. You're like, I'm not allowed to turn the TV on. I'm not allowed to turn the TV on. I'm not allowed to turn the TV on. And so you go back to her house and when I walk through her door, this is going to age me right away with some of the young people in the room. But when we walk through the door, everybody's about to head to bed and her mom looks at me and goes, Chad, I just want you to know, I got Rob, which is Melissa's dad, to tape the hockey game for you. It's in the VCR downstairs. It's like, oh. I'm loved. <laughs> and so I went down, I watched the game, and like we always do these big platters of like Polish sausages, cut up cheese, crackers, and pickles, and just, you know, all the stuff that's really not healthy for you, but it just kind of goes together at Christmas time and just eat it all, and it's why I'm built the way I am. And, but it's just a family tradition. And so we all have our family traditions. And so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning just about Christmas and getting ready for Christmas. And I just have a video for you to watch. See this box? This is a gift for the whole family. You see, we are a Christmas decorations right after Thanksgiving dinner type of family. As soon as the stuffing is in the Tupperware, boom, we are setting out ornaments and lights. And truth be told, the lights stay out till mid-January at a minimum. Now, that may be because we just love the Christmas atmosphere and the Christmas spirit, or we're just lazy. I mean, we were devoted to the tradition of it, to the routine of it. I think in our hearts we just got lazy. We have this tradition where every Christmas we would all set up the nativity scene and we'd set it out diligently, routinely. It was almost as if we were just trying to get through that next hurdle so we could watch our Christmas movies. So I had this idea. That's right. I stole baby Jesus. I plucked him right out of there. I started doing this about four years ago. I wanted him to mean something when he was in the manger. Now I know what you're thinking. What? Why would a sane man hide the baby Jesus during Christmas? And I think therein lies the problem. A, I'm not that sane. And B, for me, Jesus was becoming just another ornament. And I just didn't want him to be that anymore. I wish you could have been there that very first year. It was Bedlam. Where's baby Jesus? Who took <laughs> The mystery of baby Jesus' whereabouts was on the forefront of everyone's minds. And then before you know it, I started throwing out these little ransom notes. And then, People were, they were searching for clues, and, and every night at dinner table, they would come up with these new theories. For three weeks straight, our house was cloaked in conspiracy. I wonder where he is. Me too. Me three. Me four. Now, I may not be the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, but I do know, and I was raised to know, that the most important thing about Christmas is to seek Christ. And that's why I hide the baby Jesus. My kids, they've gotten so into this. Two years ago, they made shirts that said, uh, keep calm and find Jesus. And last year, last year they made a Facebook and they posted everything on it. 
You wanna know where I hid baby Jesus this year? I hid him in our flower bed. Yep, gave him a little ransom note. Their last clue was this, Ephesians 5.2. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The fragrant offering part kind of confused my little one. She kept trying to look for him in the bathroom. Anyway, it took them a while, but they finally found him. I still got it. So, I have to go back out and hide him again because we will not open this gift until Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll turn off the phones and the TVs, and I'll just be quiet. He came into the world quietly, and I just want my family to absorb this. And then we will open up this gift this amazing, God-breathed, prophecy-filled gift. And we will sit around as a family and we will talk about why Jesus was the greatest Christmas gift ever. So we're starting a series called The Gifts of Christmas, and this morning we're talking about the gift of expectancy. And if you're like me, as you watch that video, the only thing you're really thinking about is where could I hide baby Jesus in my house? Um, but just hang on to some of those ideas. I almost encourage you, and I'll talk about it just a little bit later. I don't know how many people here uh, do the elf on the shelf and hide them around the house a little bit. Anybody? Two of us? Oh, is that the look of how unreligious we are? It's all right. We're just having some fun. Um, but I thought of it, I was like, man, what if I like stuff Elfie, that my kids are real creative with names. Uh, his name is Elfie. So, so <laughs> Emma has a teddy bear called Teddy. Um, Miles has a teddy bear named Teddy. And so they're, they're real creative with names. Uh, my dog's name is actually Faith, not Doggy. Um, but this is the thing with Christmas. Advent means arrival. This whole season right now is all about getting ready for the arrival of Jesus. And so many of us are already probably caught up in the craziness, the busyness of Christmas, of having to get out, get our decorations up, get all these things together, and get all gifts and all of that stuff. And are we missing the reminder, the purpose of Christmas? Just as Eddie gave his family clues, God gave us clues about whereabouts of Jesus. In Luke 2.10, uh, it says this, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For, where, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. He gives clues to where you'll find him. It's the greatest treasure hunt of all time, and it's leading to the greatest gift that would ever be discovered. And not only that, the greatest gift that was ever given. God the Father made arrangements for the gift of his one and only son to be found by those who seek him. Who seek him. The angels told the shepherds, but they actually still had to go find him. 
and realize that in verse 10, it's very clear. It states, this gift from heaven above, or from the heavenly father was good news for all people, all people. So this morning, this Christmas season, as you're trying to find the best gift, as you're trying to find that gift that will still surprise your loved one or still be shocked them that when they open it up, they're not expecting a vacuum or they're not expecting a treadmill. Goodness, don't ever do that. I didn't do it, just for the record. (laughs) But like those gifts that we just want to bless our loved ones with, are we still seeking God with as much effort? So many of us will sit online and we'll research gifts, we'll compare different ones to make sure we get the best one, the one with the best warranty, the one with the best reviews. Do we seek God with the same earnesty? Do you study the word of God, not just read through it? Do you dig into it? Do you look for more? Do you talk to other people about what they think about a verse? Do you have conversations about the word of God and how to witness and share Jesus with others? Luke 2.16 says this, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. See, God's desire is for his followers to seek, but not just to seek him, to find and experience the full measure of his good and perfect gifts. He wanted the gift of his son Jesus to be found in that manger. He didn't send them on a wild goose chase. It was placed there. It was developed. It was designed with a purpose, that this is where they would find him, the king of kings humbly placed in a manger. He wants his people to know the gifts and the good gifts and all of the good gifts. Do you realize all the good gifts in your life come from our heavenly father and that he doesn't try to hide things from us? How many people ever played the game? Kit Kat. Anybody need a break? No? All right. Anybody? Oh, somebody wants one. Okay, so here. Anybody play this game? Pick a hand. Oh, he got it. You're right. Somebody else raised a hand. Who was it? Did you raise your hand? Here we go. All right, pick a hand. Oh, she played it. She knew it. (laughs) But how many of us, have you ever played this game with a kid, and how many people, okay, Oh, now, now I'm torn. I got an adult and a kid on each end. What do I do here? You're going to get tons of gifts at Christmas. It's the way it works. This is kids always get it. So pick a hand. There, see, he bought it. But now another chance. Pick a hand. Oh, trick it. See, none of us would do this, though, and not have something, so I won't mess with them again. All right, but none of us are going to play with a little kid and be like, Nothing. Life is full of disappointments no matter what decision you make. <laughs> right? Like, none of us are going to do this. I have to give Steve a Kit Kat. And the only reason, we played in a hockey tournament together, so if anybody needs a break, I know Stevie does. We're both in a lot of pain this morning. Um, but none of us in our lives would say to, a, like, play that game and have nothing in our hands. We might, okay, I would do it to Miles once. I would, I'll be honest, okay? But then I would give it to him, right? But none of us would say to a kid, No matter what decision you make, it's just full of disappointments. Our Heavenly Father wouldn't do this to us either. But many times in our lives, I feel like there's times where we think God is just playing this game. But I want you to know with God, 
You may not get it right the first time, but it's not his goal for you to live a life of disappointment. He has good gifts for us. He wants us to have good things. James 1, 17 says this, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I think it's really cool that God is called the Father of lights. The Father of lights. An ancient Jewish term here is referring to God and describing him for his unique creative ability to design the heavens, the stars, the sun, and the moon that shine. We talked about it last week just a little bit. Did anybody this week take a time, take an evening to walk outside and look up at all the stars and just be amazed by how incredible our God is? Don't miss that. Don't lose out on, oh, yeah, look at the stars. They're nice. God put that out there by just speaking. He's the span of his hand. Imagine how big God's hand is. Imagine how big his hand is. They're still finding more and more in space. God is so incredible. And when you think of the father of lights, this goes all the way back to Genesis. Day one of creation, let there be light. He just spoke it. And light came into this world. And shone and created light so we can see and have, enjoy life. See, the most natural thing for a good dad is to do for his kids is to give them the things that they need. For all the kids in the room, realize it's what they need, not necessarily always what they want. But God gives us what we need. Matthew 7, uh, verse 9 and 11 says this, What man is there among you who his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you, then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in he- who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, Jesus, Jesus helps people, and he sees how good and gracious, he helps people by seeing how good and gracious we are and what great gifts our Father in heaven is like. He just wants to give to us. John 3, 16 to 21 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that verse. But verse 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men, sorry, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been They have been done in God. Realize, so many people ask, how could God send somebody to hell? Realize here by this scripture, the understanding is, he doesn't send them. They choose evil. They choose darkness over the light. They choose evil over Jesus. Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish. God demonstrates how much he loves us by resorting to his his nature and character by a good gift giver and the perfect gifts that he gives. He sent his son, Jesus, 
to come and to die on the cross for us. He sent his son Jesus to come and to deliver us. And yes, he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, but I want you to know that he longs to be born in the hearts and lives of each and every person in this world. God longs to be born into your life. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of your neighbor's life. Do you realize that as the angels told the shepherds about Jesus and where he could be found, do you realize that you might live where you live or work where you live because you are, in aspects, God's angels to tell them about Jesus, to share about Jesus? Luke 2.10 says, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Again, he came to all people. We aren't privileged. There's nothing special about us that we get Jesus and other people don't. God saved me by grace. By grace. Only by grace am I in a relationship with the Lord. Only by grace are you in relationship with the Lord. And that same grace he wants to extend to your loved ones, to your neighbors. Then Jesus spoke to them in John 8, 12, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. As we talked about, Jesus came into the world to drive out darkness. He drove it out on the first day. And see, here's what you have to understand. Many of us talk about the dark world that we live in, the dark times that we live in. Do you understand there's really no such thing as darkness? It is just the absence of light. So I don't believe that my country is in a dark time. I believe the church isn't shining bright enough. I don't believe my neighbors live in a dark house or a dark lifestyle. I just believe I haven't got close enough to them yet to shine bright enough. See, it kind of flips the tables when, we, when all of a sudden it's different. We don't look at the world and go, oh, it's such a bad place, when we actually turn and look at ourselves and go, maybe we're not bright enough. What if I, as we talked earlier, what if I passionately love the Lord? What if I passionately love Jesus Christ? What if my neighbors knew, not because of rules I tried to force, but love I extended? Just, what if? What if? Those are the what ifs that keep me up at night. Not the what ifs this government makes this decision or this government makes that decision. What if the church passionately loved Jesus the way they did in Acts? What if we walked around fully committed to the Lord? What if my light shined bright enough? What would our society look like today? What would my home look like? What would my family look like? Just this week, as you watch the news, as you go about your day, as you talk to friends, and if they start, every day there's a fly up here. If they start talking negatively about our world, as Christians, we like to talk politics and complain, but what if all of a sudden we started asking ourselves, as a church, how much do we pray? Do you know we have prayer here every Monday morning and every Thursday morning at 6.30? Do 
And do you know that most of those days, we can count on one hand how many people are here? But yet the Bible tells me that what Jesus says, my house will be a house of prayer. I wonder why our world is the way it is. Scripture tells us that if my people will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal the land. I don't understand why our land's not getting healed. Are we seeking his face? And there's a big difference. I I will say this. There's a big difference between praying at home and praying together. Two or three are gathered. Two or three are gathered. In the video, Eddie mentions Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, and you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. We talked about this just last week. It was nearly 600 years before Jesus' birth, and the Israelites were living in a foreign land, and they were defeated and made to live in a land that felt oppressive, lonely, and dark. And even though they felt abandoned and far from God, God sent Jeremiah with this good news. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then, then, you, when you, then you call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God always gives us good gifts to his kids. He always gives them when we need them, when we need them the most. And makes a way for his people to come back home to him. God made a way for his people to come back home by seeking God with all their hearts through prayer and calling upon him. The promise of a great future and a hope was a gift of expectancy for the Israelites. This was a gift to them and a hope to them after so many years of there is a hope, there is a future. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. The gift of expectancy with hope is given to those who, who will seek God with all their hearts. See, if you will ask, if you will seek, and if you will knock, he will answer. The question we always ask is, well, Chad, we pray and we ask God, but what about the times he doesn't answer our prayer? I just want to clarify something in these verses where it says, if you knock, if you seek, and it will be open, he's talking about seeking him, not things from him. I don't know about you, most of my, what I would call disappointments in prayer life is when I've been seeking something from God and I feel like I didn't get it. But a lot of the promises of God are, if you seek me, you will find me. Maybe our prayers are just off target. Maybe we're shooting for the wrong thing by shooting for his hand when we're supposed to shoot for his heart. If you knock, it will be open. If you seek, you will find. What if this Christmas, what if you hid baby Jesus? What if you hid him? It will cause your family, husbands in the room, if you sneak up to the nativity scene and steal baby Jesus, it will at least cause your wife to search drastically for him. And at first, you may get the look of which the first clip showed of his wife. 
But what if hiding baby Jesus caused this fun energy, constantly trying to seek and find him? What if it drew us back to this expectation of trying to find who Christ was and this expectation of coming up to Christmas Eve and not making sure we got our last gifts and not making sure we got all the food we need and not making sure that we got all the travel arrangements, not making sure we got a full tank of gas, but making sure we were ready for Jesus. We were ready to see him. Are you willing to see it differently this season? Are you willing to seek Jesus with joy instead of obligation? How many of you wake up in the morning and come to church on a Sunday morning with excitement and joy, not out of obligation? Good. One person. Another person. Good. A couple of hands are going up. Good, good. A few nods. Okay, good, good. Do you know, just on Sunday night, Sunday night, Mike was telling me, which little guy was it? Is it Zach? Both of them? Tyler. Tyler? So they're two little boys. They turn into the parking lot of the church, and they, and they just went, I'm so excited to be at church. And Mike and Carla said, I am sure Pastor Chad would love to hear everybody say that. <laughs> what if you drove to church, and I remember there was one family that used to do this all the time, and I don't know if you still do, and I'm not going to point you out in case you don't, but you pull into the parking lot, and before you got out of the car, you asked each other, what are you expecting God to do today? We've lost the excitement of expectancy with Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's not because I'm the pastor. It's not because this is what I'm supposed to do. Do you know that every church service I go to, I go expecting God to do something. I go expecting him to do something. And you want to know something? There are moments where I show up to a service and I'm like, God, I'm expecting you to do something in my life. I really need to hear from you. I need encouragement from you. But then there's times where I walk in and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just in a good place, God. I'm, I'm good with you. And so, God, I just know there's other people and I just want to see you just speak into their lives. And then when God starts, like on Sunday night, when Pastor John starts prophesying and speaking over people's lives, I had so much excitement in my life because as he was speaking over some of your lives, I know some of you and so I know certain parts and, and also I know he's hitting it. I'm just like, oh, that is so good. And I'm excited. When was the last time you came to church and it didn't matter anything that was happening on the platform? There was just an excitement to see what God was gonna do. Do you wanna know something? Your expectation coming into the door, your excitement to come into church has nothing to do with me or anybody on this platform. It doesn't. Do you know that it doesn't matter what church I go to, I can walk into it with excitement and anticipation? Do you wanna know what it has to do with? My heart. I don't get it right every time. Don't, don't get me wrong. There are Sunday mornings where I sit over here and I'm like, okay, I gotta worship. Well, Chad, don't you want to? Not every Sunday. But can I tell you something? A couple songs in, I want to. I might even encourage some of you this morning. If you're like, yeah, I was really tired for the first set. I won't be insulted. Stay for the next service, enjoy the worship, and then head home. 
I've never thought of doing that. You've already heard me preach. It pretty much stays the same. There might be a couple little differences. I might have more candy in the next one. You might want to stay. Um, <laughs> but what if you stayed? I know it's a crazy thought. But what if you were like, yeah, I was kind of tired for worship. It wasn't really engaged. But I've, now that you're talking about it, it does have a lot more to do with me. What if you stayed just to worship the God for a little bit longer? But Chad, that would mean we're here over two hours. I know, I'm stretching you. But imagine, what would happen? I don't know about you, but just talking about it myself makes me excited, and I'm going to be here anyway. But it just makes me think, in your life, honestly, I hope there's just a glimpse as I'm talking about this. There's a little glimpse of maybe we'll stay, a little glimpse of excitement of what would happen if we stayed. If that question doesn't stir in you a little bit, if there's not a stirring of what if in you, in your walk with God, I challenge you and I push you. If you don't have what ifs with God, and I mean in a healthy way, not what if this goes wrong, what if that goes wrong, but what if God did this? How would it change our life? How would it change our expectation of him? Because see, God is holding out the perfect gift and he's smiling. He's, we have already received it, many of us, Jesus Christ, and now it's our responsibility to share it with others. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.